And welcome everybody to another Smart Money Circle show. I'm Adam Sarhan. With me today is a very special guest, Scott Asichek, who's the CEO of Rex Shares with approximately $4 billion in AUM. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time and welcome to the Smart Money Circle. Awesome being here, Adam. Thank you. So I always like to begin, Scott, can you tell us your story and a little bit about how you got to where you are today, please? Sure. Yeah. Um, my story is probably a little bit different than a, a lot of financial professionals that you have on. I, uh, I grew up in a very blue collar town. Uh, my dad worked in public public works and my mom was a bookkeeper. Um, you know, kind of fast forward, you know, the whole childhood thing and get, get into college. I uh, put myself through college. So I was in school for seven years uh, and I'm not a doctor. I was basically going to school at night and working by day. So I had all kinds of jobs. I did overnight security in like empty office buildings, which was the creepiest thing in the world. Uh, manual labor jobs, like laying tile in her kitchens and baths and stuff like that. Uh, I also somehow got a finance job. There was a like retirement plan company uh, near where I grew up that focused on basically like best of breed managers. So if you think about like, you know, this is late nineties, I'm kind of dating myself obviously, uh, but you had like Bill Gross is the dominant bond fund manager. Like Janice was the dominant equity manager. Like Royce was the dominant small cap manager. Um, so what they did was actually pretty cool. Like a lot of those funds were closed off to, to, to individuals to invest. But through this firm, they were able to wrap them. They still had access to those managers. I'm sure they just charged fees on top of fees and split the profits or whatever. But I didn't know really know what was going on. But it was really cool to have like a first-hand view of these best-of-breed managers and how people are just chasing to get allocations to them. So that kind of really ignited a passion of mine uh, in finance. Uh, and then on, on the college front, well, you know, those are my all my day jobs. And then on the college front, I, um, you know, I would say like my first like 60 credits, I was more or less going to different schools that fit my work schedule. Uh, so I ended up going to three or four different colleges to grab credits that were all like elective based and, and math based. And then I rolled them all into one college to, to get a math degree. Basically, I didn't choose my school based on, I don't know, sports or frats or anything like that. I chose it based on what can allow me to work by day and go to school at night quickly. So um, long story short, yes, uh, in seven years, I got a, a math degree um, and I kind of got lucky. Uh, one of my math classmates' um, brother worked on Wall Street at Lehman Brothers okay. and basically told his sister that, hey, if you know any smart people that are in the finance, let me know. Like we're constantly always hiring on the operation side. So I got my uh, Wall Street career, um, you know, at Lehman Brothers in equity operations. That's awesome. I love that story. So I've like you, I went to school five days a week and I worked five days a week. That's 10 days That's in a seven day week. So I, I fully, my heart right. goes out to you. So I love that. All right, let's talk about the business and please yeah. overview and exactly what Rex does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, actually, so, so briefly on, on the wall street journey. So I started out Lehman brothers as an equity operations um, and basically started working on like technology. That was like, the goal was to, you know, make like the, the traditional sales or trader guy, uh, almost like a dinosaur. So, you know, as you try to think about your career aspirations, when you kind of see like firsthand, they're building technology to, you know, get rid of people, um, you know, you want to kind of switch around a little bit. So I switched from like a basic equity role to structured products. And that's like creating bonds and, and options, kind of packaging them for some kind of de defined outcome. And then from there, I, I went to uh, AIG, which was which was very interesting at the time, and uh, then spent some time in commodities at Citibank before joining uh, Greg King at RecShare. So that kind of is where I am now. I joined him, um, you know, very early days, right around the very first product launch in 2016, 
Uh, and Rex is, is a very unique firm. I mean, we specialize in these alternative strategy ETFs. Um, you know, we focus, you know, basically almost anywhere. Like um, we have a bunch of trading products. So our whole goal there is like, can we create something that's super unique that nobody's doing before? Um, and we've done that. We've, we were the first ones to launch like three times Fang stocks. If you want a day trading product, there, there's a fun one for you. Uh, but we also have things on gold miners and big banks and whatnot. And then on the ETF side, um, you know, there were a bunch of people launching leveraged single stocks. So we uh, partnered with, you know, uh, Matt Tuttle and, and Pete of Tuttle Capital and brought the first to market 2x single stock product. So we love the trading world. I mean, I, I have a portion of my portfolio that I actively trade. So, you know, people are like, oh, my God, leverage inverse trading. It's so, you know, it's, it's terrible. But like, I love it. I do it myself. I create products that I would want to trade that I feel like are holes in the marketplace. And then, um, you know, we also started launching some option income-based products, uh, which we're, we're super excited about. And that's more of your traditional buy and hold. And we plan on expanding that category. I love that. And I know you have a very unique covered call strategy. Would you mind speaking about that, please? Yeah. So, you know, like, like I said, we, we look at the marketplace and we try to make improvements or come up with first of market products. And I feel like our covered call product, it's, uh, the ticker FEPI, uh, does just that. So it's long the Fang and Friends, uh, basically Fang and Friends Index. So 15 big tech stocks, the ones that are basically driving the market every day anyway. And then we're selling calls on those individual names, not an index. So you're not dampered by like, you know, cross correlations yeah, you know, if you look at like the S and P or a Nasdaq-based covered call strategy, I don't know what are you yielding like 10, 12 percent, give or take, uh, by selling vol on the individual names. We're allowed to, do, we're getting two things out of that. One, it's a lot more volatile, so yeah. there's a lot more. You know, we're able to go a little bit further outside the money, so we're actually solving that covered call uh, dilemma in terms of nav appreciation. So we've had some very good nav appreciation in this big tech market, and then also again because it's you know higher vol. Um, you know, we're getting, you know, bigger distribution. So our distribution, we've had three so far and each one's uh, over 25% annualized. Oh, I love that. So uh, before we go on to the next question, yeah. you mentioned there are pockets and holes in the market for the active traders. What are some of those, if you don't mind sharing on a big, you know, big level? Yeah, I, I meant more along the lines of, you know, if you look at the world of levered and inverse trading, uh, for a long time, it was a duopoly between two firms. And basically the SEC mandated that. They said, oh my God, these lever inverse things are crazy. We don't know what we're going to do. Only two people can ever issue these things. Right. Um, so what we did, we actually partnered with a bank um, and issued ETN. So that was like our, our little pocket in there. And what, what, oh, we, okay. what we basically found was like a number of gaps out there, right? Like if people want to trade levered NASDAQ, that's fine. That's a hundred stocks. I don't think people fully realize what's in there, which includes things like uh, Costco or Starbucks or something like that, we yeah. created more defined exposure for those pockets, whether that's like just the, the, the maybe 10 big fang stocks or just the 10 biggest U.S. banks in the U.S. Like you think about the financial indices, yeah. I mean, they cover the gambit, right? It's like pockets of credit card companies, banks, lenders, everything. And we created some products that are, are based on just literally the 10 biggest banks in the United States. I love that. Uh, so, what, yeah, when I meant um, yeah, new categories, it was just that, like, like pockets of innovation that um, were lacking. Beautiful. Thank you for that clarification. And some yeah. advantages that you have going forward that you'd like to share with investors, please. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I guess it's kind of a repeat of what I, I was just talking about. The uh, Some of the advantages we have are, you know, our personnel. Like um, uh, my partner that I mentioned before, Greg King, I mean, him and I, you know, used to cover the biggest of big like pension plans and hedge funds. 
um, and asset managers. Um, so understanding their needs firsthand, talking to them directly, and then, you know, and then falling in love with this ETF world and bringing those kind of strategies to the marketplace um, is something I don't think a, a lot of people have. I think there's a lot of ETF libraries and that's great. Obviously, I love the industry, but fully understanding what the institutional like people are thinking and doing and trying to bring that to the masses is a very unique advantage, let alone that most of our background is on options and swaps and futures, like very much alternative. So um, yeah, we whiteboard out a lot of different ideas and try to see what we could fit into the ETF structure. And um, I guess a quick, quick, uh, quick side note. So I met Greg King actually as a, as a client. So I was helping him launch uh, the very first ETNs in the United States, which were based on the Dow Jones AIG Commodity Index. So we actually partnered up on those products. He launched them while he was at Barclays. And we basically, uh, he was a client, became friend, and we just kind of stayed in touch over the years. And when he created Rex, he asked me to join and I jumped out. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. for about, let's talk about risk. How do you handle risk and what are some mistakes you see people make with respect to risk management? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, on the risk fronts, you know, we don't manage personal money. Uh, we, you know, have these exchange traded products. So, you know, we end up working with all the big regulatory bodies uh, on and fitting into a specific set of listing rules and bringing those products to market. So, you know, we don't, we can't just like launch, you know, XYZ, chaos fund or something like that like it's gotta right. it's gotta fit some specific rules and, and um uh, uh for 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 listing requirements um but you know and also like for the trading of our products you know we we rely on some of the like the best of the best uh we work with Biden, uh Biden financial which which oversees billions of dollars of trading products and on our our recent t-rex um launch so we partnered with tuttle uh, you know, he's like a best of breed manager when it comes to these like active, like levered and inverse kind of products. So, um, you know, surround yourself with great partners goes, goes a very long way when it comes to managing risk. No, I love that. Yeah. Tuttle's been a big fan. I'm a big fan of his. He's been on the show before. He's just an absolute next level guy. So big fan. Uh, let's talk about timeless lessons you've learned along the way that you'd like to share with the audience, please. Yeah. Um, when I think of timeless lessons, I, I really think of two that I, that I talk about and share. And the first is like, literally old school. It's like the things to do list, you know, like for, for me, you know, working by day, going to school at night, like you just can't forget stuff. Like, it's just not, it's not okay to say like, Hey, I was, I, I had a job and I missed my homework assignment. So literally not slipping up, not forgetting something, you know, having that robust like checklist. I mean, it's something I, you know, I do with my kids today. It's like, if, if I leave them home, it's like, here's the list of things to do. And there's a box right next to it. Right. And it feels empowering to check that box and get things done. So that's one. And then two is, you know, something that I benefit from is just, you know, hiring people that are passionate for your industry. And that's, you know, that tr that transcends just the finance world, right? Like if I had two candidates and, you know, one is like the greatest education ever or something like that. And the other one, you know, maybe a, a lesser school, even a lesser GPA, but they have a sheer passion for for what I'm doing. I mean, they're going to add whether it's more value immediately and long term just from that. So, you know, hiring people with a passion is is super meaningful to me. Um, so hopefully that is, is that good. How's that for? Yeah, that's time? great. No, that that's great. So time. Let's talk about timeless mistakes. Yeah. Oh, timeless mistakes. Um, you know, I think I think it's it's getting more and more pronounced. Uh, it's this shiny object disease. 
where people basically like just get distracted and lose focus of like what they need to do or even like what their core competencies are because there's something shiny that they must go, you know, they must chase. Right. Um, so I think it's great to, you know, explore new things, new avenues and all that stuff, but, you know, not at the cost of, of what you're, you know, what, what you're supposed to be doing or, you know, at some kind of greater cost. Yeah, no, that's really, really powerful. And then, yeah, and basically it's shiny object, you know, I, again, for kids, it's like the phone, right? The screen, yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Like, we can go off on a tangent. Let's just stay focused yeah. here. I, I'm passionate <laughs> about that stuff too. It's like, it, it, I call it scramble eggs. It's a little in you know, the brain. Turns oh, there you go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about leadership. What makes a great leader and what are some lessons you've learned about leadership that you'd like to share with the audience, please? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think, maybe because I didn't have that more traditional kind of like, you know, um, finance kind of background. I, I kind of just learned a lot from like just sweating and reading and having like a zest for markets. So I've been, you know, very fortunate to have a couple leaders that, that really stood out, um, you know, and the best of best are the ones that set clear expectations, you know, have an open door policy, have some kind of personal connection with, with, with their employees um, it, ideally they have an understanding of what your job is. You know, I think, you know, I'd much rather have a boss that's either been in my seat or maybe still has a like job day-to-day -day responsibilities and is not necessarily focused on like TPS reports or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I think it's also important to be humble, um, you know, un un understand that, you know, we're all in this together. I mean, the you know, again, like the very best I've had is like I, I think of these guys by the names like Jim Haas and John Liebergal, um, just literally being the best player coaches I could ever imagine. And then you know Greg King, I've worked with him now. Like he's not shy about bringing some people together. Let's go in a conference room and let's whiteboard some things out. Let's whiteboard some ideas out. Let's let's see what we could do to add value to our clients or you know expand our businesses. So. I, I really try my hardest to kind of take their lessons and, and instill them almost every day. No, I love that. Let's talk about adversity. How do you handle adversity and what are some obstacles that you had to overcome along the way that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, for adversity for me, you know, as, as a guy that I told you my background, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you'll be surprised that I try to face them just absolutely head on. Um, <laughs> you know, figure out what the ramifications are. I think for probably the longest time, I would probably do things more on my own. Um, and just figure, you know, I got myself here, let me get out of it, that, that kind of approach. Uh, as I get older, it's definitely more of a team approach. And this could be like on a personal or professional level. It's, you know, surround yourself with great people. And, you know, and it's taken me a while to get to this way, but like really have a, a, a valued understanding for outside, you know, uh, just different viewpoints. Um, and kind of take them into consideration and be a little bit more thoughtful in, in cert certain approaches to adversities. I love that. So instead of just thinking you could do it all yourself, it's like, hey, well, hold on a second. It's good to ask for help type of a thing. That makes Correct. sense. Correct. Yeah. And that's, that's, yeah, that's definitely, it hasn't been my strong suit, but it's something I'm definitely working on. I love that. And then finally, um, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, and then you're going to say like an example. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I started at AIG and basically you're handed like a phone and a Bloomberg. So this is at a point in my career where I've been part of teams, right? And it's just like, you know, how can you, you know, be, you know, be successful on a team, help some people out, work on some larger things. But like, at, you know, my first job at AIG was basically like, here's a phone, here's a Bloomberg, 
go figure out how to make money, right? So moving from a team-centric approach to figuring out how to be a business, how to be an entrepreneur. And that's been, you know, super, super helpful for me. And I, I kid you not, like Rec Shares literally started two guys and a dog in a house trying to figure out how to attack the ETF world and what makes sense, what strategies can we launch, you know, how do we make a mark? So um, all of those, you know, facing that kind of adversity, especially early on, was has been amazing for me. I love that. So uh, best piece of advice you'd like to share with the audience or give your 30-year-old self? Um, best advice. Um, all right. So 30-year self, I think might, might be two different things. So 30-year self would be, actually, that's a pretty easy one. I got, I got engaged uh, when I was 30. So I would say, don't screw this up. Um, she is the one. Uh, don't stop doubting. Um, and, you know, on the work front, it's more or less like, you know, Thank you. I'll throw that out there. She'll probably watch this. Um, uh, on the work front, just, you know, uh, keep working hard, stay passionate. Um, you know, don't doubt yourself. I mean, you know, when I was 30, keep in mind, you know, I wasn't that far along into my career. I was, it was still very early days. Um, so keep pushing, keep fighting hard and, you know, and stay passionate for what you believe. Beautiful. Well, Scott, thank you so much. And, and, and most importantly, check those boxes, check all the boxes on the things to do list. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you remind me of Ben Franklin's quote about failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So it's either you're preparing to win or you're just not preparing and then you're preparing to fail. So not checking those boxes or not having the to-do list to begin with kind of is like, oh, just let's wake up today and see where the wind blows us type of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. very true. Yeah. I love that. All right. Beautiful. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, what's the best way for people to learn more about RecShares? Yeah. Come to RecShares.com. R-E-X-Shares.com. Uh, you can learn about some of our trading products and also our, uh, our Peppy product that I just spoke about. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Scott. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. This has been great. Awesome, Adam. Thank you.